What's up, guys? Welcome, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Your host, David Chandra. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Hopefully, everything calms down soon so we can enjoy our summers. But we have a great episode ahead of us today. We have a new guest. He's not from the field of podiatry, but he's a future resident for internal medicine, a good friend of mine since eighth grade. Jay, introduce yourself to the listeners, man. Hey, David. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, my name is Jay Patel. I just uh, graduated uh, from Michigan State's College of Osteopathic Medicine uh, about two weeks ago. So newly minted uh, doctor, uh, as you mentioned, I'm going to start my internal medicine residency uh, in July in uh, New York. So looking forward to that. All right. Well, first off, congrats on uh, graduating and you're the new Dr. Patel. I'm sure there's a lot of Dr. Patels out there, but hopefully you make your name for yourself, man. Yeah, looking forward to that. You know, have to uh, set myself apart somehow. You know? <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of Jay Patels out there, so I'm going to need you to make a name for yourself. Yeah. So funny story about that. Uh, the hospital that I did my rotation, there was a resident named Jay Patel, too. So sometimes I'd get uh, pages from different physicians that are looking to talk to this, uh, the Dr. Jay Patel, the resident, oh, okay. and I'd end up getting them. So it was <laughs> kind of like always some mixed up situation going on there. Yeah, I bet. But anyways, tell us a little bit about how graduation was virtually. I know it was probably not what you were looking forward to. And after all the work that you've put in, so tell us a little bit about that and how this all ended. And now you transition into residency in July. Yeah, so graduation was obviously weird, you know, everywhere around the country, around the world, you know, they're having like virtual graduations. Uh, well, the nice part was like my sister, my parents were all at home. So like we were all kind of sitting around the laptop together when, uh, you know, my name came up. So we all kind of had our moment to celebrate. And then we recorded that as well and sent it out to our family and friends. So they got a chance to kind of celebrate with us. Yeah. But yeah, obviously it would have been a lot better if I was, you know, any slant saying, uh, with my family and kind of marking my end at uh, Michigan State. Yeah. So that would have been a you know a very significant moment, but you know things don't happen the way you want it to sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, big shout out to Michigan State. You went there for undergrad, and uh, we were yes, roommates together for a couple. Actually, all the years that we were there, pretty much. Yes. And then you yep. finished out your DO school at uh at the program as well at Michigan State. So tell us a little bit about how you got into medicine, why you chose medicine as your field of profession, and where it all started for you. Yeah, so it all started for me uh, with my uncle. So my uncle's a family physician back in India. So when we were growing up, when I was born, so I was born in Kanyanagar, Gujarat, which is like not a, a big uh, city, you know. And I was really close to my uncle. We lived maybe five minutes apart. So I was always like interacting with him and uh, kind of seeing the kind of work he does. And it was always something that I was like interested in, you know, five, six, seven years old. Uh, and that naturally drew me to the field of medicine. So then when I moved to the States, uh, you know, when I got into high school and stuff, certain opportunities came up for me to volunteer at hospitals, kind of work in different projects, uh, you know, with in, in the field of healthcare. And I, I took advantage of that. And going into undergrad, I knew that uh, one of my goals was to pursue uh, medicine. And then okay. one of the things that really helped me along that was uh, – when I started undergrad, I was part of like a osteopathic medical scholars program, which kind of encourages high school students to pursue the field of osteopathic medicine within uh, Michigan State's uh, school or, or college of osteopathic medicine. Yeah. So for those of you listeners who might not know, it stands for OMSP, which is a program that, uh, like Jay said, undergrad students can uh, go into and you apply through high school to get through that. 
it's unique to Michigan State and it helps students kind of gear them towards osteopathic medicine. So tell me a little bit about your experience in uh, medical school. I know you were in, in DO school, which is, you know, the philosophy and everything is different as opposed to MD. So tell us a little bit about how you learned and what you learned that differs from an MD student. Yeah, so I'd say probably the vast majority of education is the same. Uh, the first two years, there's like a little bit of variance in the sense that along with their basic science classes, you know, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, all that, uh, we also have uh, OMM, osteopathic manipulative medicine, that's being taught to us. And that's sort of a skill set that's unique for NEOs. Uh, you know, it allows us to practice uh, physical medicine. Um, and allows us to help patients with different sort of uh, uh, injuries or pains that they may have, and we can use this manipulation to help them in that regard. So that's just another tool in our tool belt that we're able to develop uh, in our first two years and obviously practice it when we get out to the clerkships. Uh, so in that sense, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of differences, uh, especially when you get out to the clerkships. You know, you do your same sort of core uh, rotations. Uh, you have to pass, like, the same sort of licensing exams uh, and then pass your shelves just like uh, in the allopathic school and then apply to residency in the same uh, uh, program or uh, registration ERAS um, that the MD students do as well. So there's a, there's not as much uh, difference now as there maybe was uh, in the past. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So did you have any inclination towards whether you wanted to be an MD or DO or was it just that you wanted to be in the medical field and this OMSP program that you had at MSU kind of just opened up uh, a path for you to, you know, pursue medicine? Yeah, honestly, uh, being an MD or DO wasn't something I thought about a lot in uh, high school. I just I knew that there were two different types of doctors, MDs and DOs. And being in the program, uh, I had a lot of exposure to different DOs because uh, part of our commitment to the program involved uh, being in meetings uh, every month and every month there'd be a different sort of DOs that would come in kind of talk to us uh, tell us about you know what they do for work tell us about their field uh, that sort of thing so I had a lot of exposures to DOs and that kind of made me uh, pursue the DO pathway as well uh, the other thing is um, because of my situation with uh, visas and Greek card and things like that uh, it was just easier for me to stay within Michigan State yeah and that's why ultimately I decided uh, not to you know apply broadly and just stay with the, the program itself Definitely. And yeah, like certain circumstances kind of make us decide something. But in the end of the day, you know, the results are rewarding and you found uh, to find a success during your stay at Michigan State. And now you're off to becoming a resident at uh, in New York. So I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories you have in store for us in the future. So tell us a little bit about your clinical experience in third and fourth year when you were on rotations and audition months and how you, as a student, picked up knowledge and what you learned in those two years of clinical experience. Right. Uh, yeah, so I think those uh, two clinical years are probably, like, the best years for learning for medical students because uh, this is a time for you to actually see what you read, and uh, it motivates you to be, like, a better clinician because you're seeing these patients, they're asking you questions. So you want to be uh, as prepared as possible for whatever questions they may have. And that just motivates you to work a little bit harder and, you know, improve your knowledge base uh, that much more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so my first rotation was actually internal medicine. And then maybe that's why I was like so biased towards it because, you know, I had a great team. I had a great attending. 
and just the everyday rounding, uh, interacting with different sort of specialists and seeing uh, what the roles were, what the role of the internal medicine physician was and how we kind of, you know, brought everyone together and helped patients out. And, you know, they really sort of responded uh, to having an advocate for them. Uh, I really appreciated that. And that's what sort of made me, uh, you know, inclined to pursue internal medicine as yeah. my specialty. Yeah. So it was like first impression, first look when you went onto the clinical field and you said, okay, I am is what's for me. So tell us a little bit about what stood out about I am specifically compared to all the other ones, all the other specialties and rotations that you did in your time in third and fourth year. Right. So a couple of things about internal medicine. Uh, one of the things is um, you get a lot of uh, congruency and uh, long-term relationships with patients. Uh, you know, which if you're a surgeon, you might see the patient one time before surgery and maybe a couple times after their surgery. But yeah. it's not like a sustained long-term relationship versus if you're an internal medicine doctor, you can pick up a patient from uh, when they're 18 and see them all the way, you know, to the whenever you stop practicing or, you know, uh, way into the future. And that yeah. sort of long-term relationships yeah. really sort of drew me to the field of internal medicine. Uh, and the other thing is uh, the variety that exists in internal medicine itself. Intro medicine, you're like the medicine doctor of the entire body. So like, yeah. it can be anything from top to bottom. So you know how to have a lot of knowledge, and you also get to uh, see and practice medicine in a lot of variety. Um, and that that really uh, made me want to pursue intro medicine specifically. Definitely, and that's something that's very similar to podiatry in the sense that you get to see patients and you get to work with them from the moment they step into your clinic or you get in uh, in touch with them till when you decide to leave practice or whenever they decide to not need your care anymore. So yes, we in podiatry also have surgery um, where we see patients on and off sometimes, but they're also coming to us all the time, like you mentioned, even in IM. So that's something that kind of drew me into podiatry as well. And there's that uh, uh, similarity between IM and uh, podiatry. So I know that in IM, you work a lot with other specialties so talk to us a little bit about that interaction and how that is and how that works and what you envision yourself doing in the future if that was something that kind of also drew you to i am sure so yeah intro medicine uh so that's a three-year residency and then if you want to specialize in a further field of medicine you do a fellowship for that so as the internal medicine doctor uh, if you're a hospitalist in, in in the hospital or if you're outpatient if you have a patient who has a disease process that requires more specialty attention, that's when you sort of involve a specialist. So, for example, if you have a patient with a severe disease in the foot, like they have uh, diabetes and they have really bad ulcers, and you're like, okay, this is out of my realm of care, that's when you would you know, consult podiatry and they'd be able to help out um, in, in that situation. So that's the role of the internal medicine doctor, once again, to you know see what's going on with the patient, be the advocate for them, and make sure the right people are involved so they can get the best care possible. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, going forward for me, uh, I don't know if there's a specific specialty that I'm, like, fully invested into pursuing after medicine. Uh, like I mentioned, I like uh, the totality of uh, internal medicine itself, and that's what drew me to the field. But, you know, I, I'm looking forward to keeping my options open to see, you know, if there's something that does draw me a little bit more. Definitely, and obviously going into internal medicine and you have to do those three years of residency, you might be like, Hey, I spent my time. I did my time and this is what I want to do. And, you know, doing more and becoming specialized in a different specialty takes more time, takes more effort and 
a longer route. And, you know, I'm sure that's something you'll get to see and experience and decide for yourself once you start residency and kind of figure out your own path in that regard. So how many people have you been able to talk to and get advice from as you start residency? I know life is a little bit different right now with this whole COVID situation and, you know, your rotations kind of got ended short, but it doesn't really matter because you were towards the end of your uh, medical school career. But tell us a little bit about what your program in New York has told you about some, you know, precautions or any restrictions Mm -hmm. or rules that have changed with everything going on with COVID and you starting July 1st. Sure. Uh, So yeah, I'll start from the beginning. So like you mentioned, uh, luckily I was near the end of my rotation. So not a lot of my clinical time was cut off. uh, So I'm blessed because of that. I know a lot of students are uh, in a situation where they're scrambling to uh, come up with rotations. I know David, you were in that spot as well. So that's very tough. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, that's not something I'm dealing with. Uh, Secondly, uh, I think back to your previous question, because I got to do all of my audition rotations. So I did four uh, internal medicine uh, auditions, my fourth year, along with my internal medicine rotation my third year so i've had a lot of time to you know cultivate relationships with different residents throughout the uh, state and uh you know because of that you know i have people that i feel very comfortable talking to and asking for advice and a lot of it has just been hey this is a situation where obviously i can't do anything clinically so how should i you know ready myself and, and be prepared because when you walk in on july 1st you know you're officially a doctor and yeah. you're going to be expected to care for patients and do a good job so uh, this time off is something that I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with, but you know I'm trying to do little things here and there to make sure uh, I stay on top of you know the new news that are coming in, new guidelines that are being updated, uh, and anything that can help me better be better equipped to deal with uh, whatever's facing me when I get to the clinic itself. Uh, more specifically with the COVID, um, I was honestly very concerned uh, with regards to that because. Uh, New Rochelle, New York, was like one of the first uh, hotspots uh, for the virus itself, and that's very close to uh, where my hospital is. Yeah. So I knew that uh, this was an area that's going to be very significantly affected, and I'd have to be ready for that. So for me, uh, the thing I've done is just kind of like increase my knowledge base uh, about you know how the virus presents itself, what we can use to treat it. You know, as as a physician, what should I be telling patients to kind of uh, help themselves not be uh, you know. Uh, sort of embroiled in the whole uh, disease and that sort of thing. So uh, I think the more I learn, the more I sort of, you know, uh, hear, the, the more, uh, the less anxious I feel. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's something that I was talking to you about offset. And I asked you whether they're going to start calling you guys in early because of all this ca- all these cases increasing and, you know, they might need more people on the floor and might need more help and, you know, more doctors to be able to aid in this situation that's going on so have they done anything about that or are you still starting july 1st or how's that going along yeah so my start date is still july 1st you know we have orientation a week before and then we start on july 1st uh, okay. i know in the beginning of the uh, pandemic when you know people were a little bit more on the back foot there was some uh, talk of you know accelerating the timelines for medical students especially in the hard hit areas i know uh, the city of boston and uh, some medical schools there and some medical schools in New York had sort of uh, pushed for that. But as things have sort of, uh, you know, been in better control now, uh, I think that's something that's uh, not being discussed as much anymore. Uh, for me, you know, my situation was a little bit different because I was in Michigan, uh, not at uh, a medical school in New York, yeah. uh, even though that's where my residency is. So my situation would have been a little bit different because uh, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, 
the the ability to just kind of uh, hop over there since yeah. I hadn't graduated at that point. Yeah. So I know you mentioned when you're in internal medicine, you get to see a variety of patients. You have to know everything from head to toe. So how has this pandemic kind of shaped your thinking into how to approach a patient? You know, a lot of us were too young when other pandemics hit the hit the world and Corona is the first thing that our generation is starting to understand and has a worldwide impact. So tell us a little bit about how, you know, I'm sure your field that you're going into is probably going to be seeing a lot of these patients and taking mm-hmm. care of them and giving them the appropriate, you know, uh, treatment that they need before, if they need to get, you know, kind of transferred into ICU, depending on their situation. So tell us how this whole pandemic has shaped your thinking, your thought process, your mindset, and how you're going to kind of do that when you go and become a resident in July. Yeah. So honestly, the most important thing for me has been, uh, thinking about how I can be a good advocate. And what I mean by that is, uh, if, if a patient comes to me and they're not, you know, they're not currently sick, they have no symptoms. What can I tell them to make sure that this doesn't happen to them? Because for the patients that are sick already, uh, you know, we have systems in place to help them the best we can, but ultimately, uh, this is a disease that doesn't have a cure right now. So, uh, how they'll recover, we don't know. It's just, we can try our best and see what happens then. But for patients who aren't sick right now, we can make sure that we practice uh, telling them the right things so yeah. that they'll be better uh, prepared to not uh, be, you know, troubled by the situation. Uh, and that's one of the things I've kind of uh, made a mission just because there's a lot of sort of variety in terms of the uh, news people are hearing. And there's not a lot of congruency in the information that's being told by, you know, the media or even uh, the government. Yeah. And I think uh, when, when I'm there uh, like on the floor or when my colleagues are there, uh, I'd like them to, you know, give some congruent information so patients have uh, a better idea of, you know, how they can be ready uh, and not sort of like uh, put themselves in dangerous situations. Yeah, definitely. And to your listeners, whether you're in, you know, in the field of medicine or whether you're not, the one biggest thing that we learn is that we need to advocate for the patients. And that's our main goal, you know, as a physician, whichever specialty you might be in or however you're working within the medical field, your number one priority is the patient that's in front of you and you need to advocate for them. You need to take care of them the best that you can. And you have, you can't give anything less to one patient than another one. And I'm sure Jay can attest to that as well too. And any uh, person within the medical field can attest to that. So tell us a little bit about what you think about medicine going online, you know, now with everything going on, clinics kind of have shut down and hospitals are over flooding with patients. So this whole telehealth, telemedicine, what do you think about that? You're stepping into kind of a new era of things and maybe this could be the change. Maybe this could be something that physicians take on. And even if everything gets back to normal where there isn't any rising cases of Corona, this might be the new norm. So tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are regarding that or if you're asked to do that even when you start your residency yeah so i think doctors traditionally are very uh adverse to you know changes uh you know for a long time doctors resisted things like uh, electronic health records uh even though it adds a layer of uh you know uh basically it makes things easier information is more accessible things like that uh but i think this whole pandemic the nature of uh social distancing and whatnot acts like an inadvertent catalyst to uh, push, you know, telemedicine and uh, remote 
uh, healthcare forward. And I think that can be a really good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of times patient visits are more sort of uh, checkups or health uh, maintenance visits. And, you know, these are visits that can be easily done via uh, telemedicine. And yeah. when you do it, uh, you know, via uh, these like remote locations, it, it does a, a variety of things that improve uh, healthcare outcomes, in my opinion. One, it, you know, increases the efficiency of the, of the physician. It reduces the amount of time the patient has to spend, you know, on their healthcare, which uh, obviously uh, increases their productivity in whatever uh, field that they're in, that they're working in. So I think there are benefits to be uh, gained from uh, telemedicine, and you know I, l- I look forward to uh, immersing myself in that because I think that's something that uh, I'll be using for sure, like as a practice in the future, and I I, I want to be good at it. So yeah, uh, as, as a young physician or as as someone who is going to be uh, a physician in the near future, I have no issue with uh, using the new technologies that are coming and seeing uh, how I can apply them in our practice. But I know. Like anything else, with any changes, there are always going to be hiccups in the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, just being flexible and malleable enough to like roll with the punches and deal with whatever uh, hiccups may come up. I think that that's the mindset that I'm going to take, and I hope uh, you know the healthcare community embraces it as a whole. Definitely, and uh, this is just me playing devil's advocate. So I know the biggest thing for physicians is the patient to physician interaction. And if you go to telehealth or telemedicine and we do everything online with this new technology that we have, we lose that interaction with the patient in person. You know, everything in person is drastically different as opposed to me and you now FaceTiming, you know, and doing this podcast. So tell us a little bit about how that would affect your relationship with the patients because, you know, you're not seeing each other in person and you're not able to get that emotion and that same feel. So, how do you think people would uh, kind of view that, or even patients, or even physicians for that matter? Yeah. So to answer your question, I don't think uh, telemedicine is going to be the ultimate sort of uh, replacement for the office. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a hybridization where you know some of these visits, uh, some of these office visits can be done remotely, but uh, for some of them, you're still going to need the face-to-face interaction. Uh, and I think. The way healthcare works right now is uh, a lot of patients, when they're sick, they go to the hospital, they, you know, speak to the hospitalist, and then they get referred to uh, to see an outpatient physician yeah. when they, they're ready to be discharged, right? So I think, you know, with regards to that, after they've seen the, the physician outpatient, then their next couple of appointments can be via telemedicine because those would be more so maintenance appointments versus yeah. uh making sure that the you know medications are reconciled things like that definitely so i, I think some of the more the less uh aggressive uh, clinical appointments can be you know done remotely and uh the more sort of uh, impactful aggressive like things that really need to get done uh can still be done in the office and when you have that sort of uh, interaction uh, w- with the patient, you can still develop a good relationship because i know uh in my practice or in, in what i've seen um uh, you know, seeing a patient uh, in the hospital when they're at their sickest, I feel like that just acts as a, you know, a weird sort of, sort of a vortex of just creating a bond between the, the patient and the physician because uh, at that point, they're completely entrusting their health to you. And uh, I think that sort of interaction is enough to create uh, a bond and a relationship. And you can use um, that as sort of your uh, jumping off point when you're pursuing uh, taking care of them in the future via telemedicine. Definitely. And it's probably something that even patients need to understand and even physicians need to learn because 
it's it's a two-way street. It's never a one-way street. It's never just a physician doing what he wants to do, he or she wants to do, and the patient wanting to do what they want to do. So I think it has to be something where both parties are working together to make a better future. And I think at the end of the day, the most important part is, once again, like you said, to always, always keep in mind to advocate for the patient and do whatever we can for the patient, whether that be through online services or whether that be in person, you know. And I think pandemics such as this help bring out different aspects of healthcare that are for, important for us to realize and be able to utilize and not get caught up in the old and old olden time type of way, you know, the old fashioned way of doing things, even though that part of it is good. Sometimes we got to keep changing with the times, you know, like that's yeah. how we're doing now. And I hope that we continue to keep taking healthcare even further in the future for sure. And, you know, your field that you're going into and the field that I aspire to go into, which is podiatry and for you, it's internal medicine. I think telehealth and this aspect of um, online medicine is going to be something that's going to be very crucial and very important for us and for our success as well, too. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the whole efficiency, the whole accuracy and everything that we do, it's it's you know, it's completely different and it's going to be important for our fields. And um, I know that, you know, we take different routes, but at the end of the day, we're all physicians and we understand that, you know, whatever we can do to better each other and whatever we can do to better the people around us who are coming to us for help is our main thing, our main focus at, at all times. So yeah. thanks, man, for sharing your journey and why you chose medicine and wish you nothing but the best in the future for your residency. And you're going to be off in New York uh, in the big lights, you know, um, the Big Apple. Uh, so hoping to come visit you out there sometime, maybe once this Corona stuff kind of settles down. And um, like I said, by the time I get out there, you better make, make a name for yourself, Jay Patel, a different one. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. But just like any ep other episode, I'm going to transition into the rapid fire question session, which I like to do with all the guests. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So for you, I'm going to have to ask, what was your favorite bone in the body as a whole the humerus the humerus why is that it's funny it's funny all right okay pun on words uh all right well what's your favorite muscle in the body the biceps biceps all right you gotta always flex mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're always hitting up the gym so you know gotta do that um so what was one memory that you had during your third and fourth year that stuck out to you that you'll remember for the rest of the time? Any cool interaction or something that you messed up that you can always uh, r remind yourself of? Yeah, so, uh, okay, this is sort of a funny memory. Uh, one of the hospitals uh, that I was doing a rotation at, by the elevators, they have uh, like a, a swipe so you can swipe your card. Uh, and that's like an employee-specific elevator. And another elevator, they have you know a swipe where you can swipe the card and it activates the code. So this is my first week at the hospital. So I used uh, the wrong elevator. I used my card on the wrong elevator and accidentally <laughs> activated code by the elevator. Nice. So being like, it was very like sort of traumatizing because as soon as I did it, all the bells started going off in the entire hospital. And I was like, well, what did I just do? And I like, quickly, you know, pressed the cancel button right next to it yeah. and got myself out of there as soon as I could. Yeah. Well, I mean, hospitals are definitely confusing <laughs> with the elevators, <laughs> the staircases. Some of the bigger ones are... You don't know where you are sometimes. You're in a world of your own. But uh, right. make sure you don't do that when you're a resident because you don't want to look dumb. 
I'll try not to. All right. Well, thanks, man. Any last words before we wrap up this episode? No, man. Um, I'm expecting big things from you uh, in, <laughs> in the future. You know, enjoy the rest of your time in LA, and uh, hope to see you back uh, in Michigan soon. I think and, by the t- uh, you know, I think uh, I big, think by the time big, I come back, you're going to be in New York. Huh? No, no, no. You'll be you'll be back uh, in June, right? <laughs> I'm going to be in Philadelphia, so. Oh, okay. All right. Well, big birthday coming up for David at the end of the month, too. So looking forward to that as well. <laughs> my man is about to turn the big two six, everyone. Yeah. So uh, not on my parents' insurance anymore, I guess. Well, I don't know when that <laughs> That's works. That's right. But... Becoming a man for real now. Yeah, exactly. The whole <laughs> facial hair and everything. Uh, well, thanks, man. Once again, it's a pleasure uh, speaking to you. I'm sure we'll continue our conversations in the future as well. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a lot um, outside of the field of podiatry and what internal medicine entails. And if that's something that you guys uh, decide to go into, hit up Dr. Jay Patel. Um, I'll make sure you go to the right Dr. Jay Patel because you might end up going to like 100 different ones. So uh, follow him on Instagram as well. And uh, he's not not active on social media like I am, but uh, hit him up as well and give him a follow and he'll give you a follow back. Uh, but follow us for sure on Instagram at Soul Purpose 20 and listen to us on Spotify. Type in Soul Purpose and you'll find us. Hope you're enjoying. See you all soon. Peace out.